Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, where we discuss all things related to outdoor and nature photography. Our guest today is Sydney Johnson. She's someone I've known for quite a while now. I actually met her on Instagram of all places, and she's very fun and energetic to talk to about different kinds of arts and culture. So we go through talking about different kinds of paintings, uh, different aspects of that. We also divulge into some travel photography and, of course, her nature photography. So it's a lot to unpack in this episode, and she's really interested in all different kinds of arts and culture, as you'll see. And we also talk about her involvement in the Tip City Area Arts Council. So there's a lot to unpack here, but uh, Sydney's just a, such a fun person to talk to. So I hope you enjoy the show. So welcome back to episode 12 of the podcast, and we have a very special guest today. Um, I'll let Ryan introduce her here. All right. Her name is, her name is Sydney Johnson. Uh, she does lots of different photography, uh, kind of like an t- alternative process, um, but she draws inspiration from various arts and cultures and her community involvement. So uh, yeah, Sydney, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Thank you so much for the introduction and for having me. This is my first podcast. So um, what I do is right now work in retail, hospitality, a lot of stuff all across the board right now, but also community involvement being the secretary of the local Tip City Area Arts Council. Um, It's one way that I'm able to get involved in the arts, especially during this time right now, but also getting different perspectives and ideas from a bunch of different artists from all across the state. And I mean, I, I really enjoy it. And I've started doing photography years ago and I've since expanded my skills since then. That's kind of how I got my start too. You just kind of start doing it. You kind of is like a creative outlet, right? You just kind of like, mm-hmm. this is something to just express yourself and then you just kind of keep doing it more and more and you find more enjoyment out of mm-hmm. it. Yes, so it's definitely, cool. It, definitely. It's cool how you took the time during quarantine to be a little bit productive and kind of learn a new skill. That's a great thing to have. <laughs> um, it was definitely difficult at first because but there, there have been times throughout the years where I have a huge burst of inspiration and I get some really good photos out of it. And then there are times where I don't. And during quarantine, it was definitely kind of difficult because you feel like you can't go out and do anything, but realistically going outside, finding trails, even something that's just kind of down the road, you never know what you'll find. And, um, one of the places that I've been able to find a lot of inspiration from is a local cemetery in my hometown of tip city. Um, and it just has one big bike trail that goes in a loop and, Sometimes I find the same thing or I find something different each time and I, I enjoy it very much. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's neat. That's great. I mean, people think they have to travel to like distant lands, but no, like in your local area, you'd be extremely surprised what you can find. Yes. Um, yeah, most of the photos that I've also had starting out in practicing have actually just been from my front yard. I will. I took my camera out and just focused on a leaf, focused on, uh, we used to have rose bushes in the front yard a lot and trying to get the light in a certain way. And actually the first photo that, um, I put on like the list that I sent you guys was from my front yard. Like, it's just amazing what you can find. Wow. (laughs) 
It's hard to tell. Think, That's a thing. You know, it's hard to tell that yeah. you take, like you tell us the backstory and go like, oh, really? Because it's like, I feel like you could be out a million miles away or it could just, like you said, just be right out front of your door. So it's really neat. Yeah. I think with that one too, that is the only one that I have of that. And that was from 2013. So I will have to double check my findings, but that's, that's like one in a million chance. <laughs> so when you're out in the field, are you looking for photos or would you say you're just kind of out enjoying nature? Like, are you intentional about it or are you just kind of let things happen? I am definitely unintentional about it. Um, when I, I basically call it just doing a lap. I will go to try to relieve stress, walk and just see what I can find. Um, which is why I have so many photos that are just that single shot because I capture it and it, if it looks good, it looks good. If I go through it again, I'll delete it. And um, so towards the end of the list of photographs, a couple of those are just a single shot because I will find them out of the corner of my eye. I'll just kind of walk in a straight line. And if I find it, then I find it. And I'll just go off the path for like two seconds. <laughs> it's neat. I kind of do That's the cool. same thing uh, a little bit is where I'll uh-huh. kind of go in rounds. Um, depends on where I'm at, of course, but like I will take out my telephoto lens and I'll just go around like looking for birds and stuff. And then I'll kind of go back to my car, take out some other gear. It's kind of a weird system, but I kind of like doing it every now and then where I'll just take out some gear. So that way I don't have less on my back and, you know, I just kind of focus on one style of photography. So kind of the same idea as you with just kind of like the walk around. So yeah, I can definitely Mm -hmm. agree with that as being, that's a cool way to do it. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think I think both ways of taking photos are pretty much equally viable. Sometimes I feel like if you're too focused on just getting photos, you can get you know disappointed in yourself sometimes. But mm-hmm. I think both some, some of my best times outdoors were just like well, without the camera. But like even when I just kind of put it down, enjoy the moment. Um, and then there's other times where I'm just like trying way too hard to make like a photo work and I know it won't in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And it's like neither mm-hmm. of those are really you know satisfying. You know so. Just kind of like finding a striking a nice balance at least. Yep. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, a, a good example of intentional photography when it comes to my stuff. Look, I just saw my um, my travel photography. That was definitely like the intention of I'm in a place of the most beautiful pieces of work. I want to capture that in the best way that I can because I mean, how do you do the Eiffel Tower justice? Mm. I mean. <laughs> Which is why, yeah. which is why the one that I set has just a section of it. But trying to get it lit up at night was so difficult. I had to change the ISO and mm-hmm. the shutter and everything. I have to even get a shot of that because I thought it was illegal to take a picture of the Eiffel Tower. Anyway. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, at, at all. I think I think I've heard that once before. Now that I think about it. Um, so here's the one crime that I will commit, if that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's a worthwhile one. <laughs> um, I don't know if that has actually changed since. So this was taken in 2014. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's changed or not, but I'll have to double check. I, it, it may have been a response to the Paris terrorist attacks. I can't remember what years oh, those were, but something with that. I think so that but, was that was I think two years. Was that two years afterward. 
Oh yeah, it's somewhere. Around there. I'm looking. I'm, wow. look I'm fact checking us. I'm here live on all outdoors. <laughs> we're fact checking. Um, so I'm looking up, and it says there's an October 2017 article, and it says why it's illegal okay. to take photos at night of the Eiffel Tower. So I think yeah, oh, that, interesting. That, wasn't that um yeah a, a terrorist attack? Wasn't that three years ago? I believe. I yeah, I think so. Yeah, sounds about wow. right to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> Again, welcome to the only crime that I'll ever commit. Yeah. Uh, well, you have the French government coming after you now. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, Henry. This is the first time <laughs> that we need to be getting in trouble. You got to check. The, you got to check our viewership and see if anyone, anyone from France is watching this or listening. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, like you probably felt a lot of pressure too to try to capture that in the best way possible because I would imagine you weren't there for a longest period of time. No. Um, so that whole trip was about a week. And mm -hmm. that was also the first time that I was taking my DSLR overseas. And I don't know, I just, I wanted to try to get as many photos as I, as I wanted and also practice my, and practice and try to hone my skills a little bit. Um, so with that one, I actually have it in its own little album on Facebook, but realistically the ones that I could get to, develop and edit the way that I want them to is probably down, if I remember correctly, down to about six photos in just the album. So and six photos of the entire trip or just the Eiffel Tower? The Eiffel Tower. Um, right. in, the entire trip, um, I think there are a few more that I have in archives that I'll have to look at, but I was there for about three days starting out and I think I took over 300 photos already. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can imagine it was hard to narrow it down to just five mm -hmm. to even send over. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like everyone, you know, has that typical shot at Eiffel Tower. I like how you can just really pick the different angle of it. Um, mm -hmm. You can still kind of tell that it's the Eiffel Tower, which I like, because it's not like you just mm -hmm. take a picture of a random bridge. You can clearly tell if you know <laughs> about it. You can tell it's the Eiffel Tower, but it just adds that nice creative element to it. Yes, definitely. Um, that's also the year that they were still working on the glass floor construction. So now you can actually go up into it and stand on that and you can just see down below. Um, that's cool. They were still working on it at that time, which is, it's very interesting to see. Mm -hmm. oh. And I see that statue there. Is that also in Europe? Yes, it is. That is the famous thinker by, ah, uh, by okay. Auguste Rodin. Um, there are, oh goodness, there are a couple, so this is the original. We have a copy at the Cleveland Museum of Art up north, uh, which I've seen two or three times now. <laughs> um, we also have a couple of smaller versions around the world, but this one is strictly at the Rodin Museum in Paris. And I have, there's this one and two really good photos of him at different angles, but this one I really liked because I was able to get him centered. And yeah, I love the separation too. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And also just like the history behind the thinker and how he's actually someone who, here's a little art history. You will find out very quickly that I'm an art history nerd as well. Mm -hmm. I confirm. <laughs> Back checking again. Yeah. <laughs> Our conversations. Yes, yes. Um, so he actually sits at the top of like the gates of hell 
and contemplates who goes to hell and, well, not the gates of hell, but who goes to hell and who goes to heaven. Um, that is published in Dante's Inferno. Oh. Yeah, so it, it, it's interesting. You think that it's just a simple statue and there's actually more meaning behind it. And he's also, he's also one of a series, um, which everybody, there's like different figures and stuff. I'll have to look more into it in depth, but again, art history here. <laughs> it's neat, the meaning of that, because like you would see it and just kind of, huh, you know, it's a statue, but like you hear that and you go like, wow, there's actually like something traumatic behind it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What is he really thinking about? And Rodin too, he he was a good example at the time of, he, he was an impressionist sculptor. So he kind of pushed the envelope a little bit in terms of not, not so much like Warhol, but he would make statues unfinished on purpose. Um, or he would have them not as smooth on purpose. Kind of like, kind of like how the impressionist painters, when they don't have everything completely blended, but it still forms the picture. That's what he did with sculpture. Hmm. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> you make me so inspired to like look up more art history. I really need to because I feel like that. You know, I, I feel like that can really improve your photography too. Exactly. Yeah. I, f- I feel like mm-hmm. art in general like is such an inclusive thing, like all inclusive. Because like if you learn about other styles, mm-hmm. not even just photography, anything else. Like I love going to various art galleries. I know you do as well, Sydney, but like, yeah, art galleries, museums, um, and just seeing, like, I love seeing paintings, drawings, Mm. weird, weird kind of out there kind of sculptures, just stuff that's different. And I like, it just feels, it feels like fuel to me, like to make photographs of my own. You know, I just, I really like, I love, I love those like, uh, 1920, I don't know what years they are, but like the old landscape paintings. Yeah. Uh, Yes. 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 I'm blanking on the, the one lady or I can't remember who it was, but the one person that did all those in America, I can't remember their name, but <laughs> probably a lot of them. Just, yeah. Maybe <laughs> there are definitely a lot of female artists as well. Um, mm. Some that definitely, again, uh, did a little abstract, did a little landscape and uh, photography as well too. I mean, mm. um, I can't remember if I mentioned this. Yes, I did. Um, I mentioned it to you, Ryan. The book that I have on Dorothea Lange. Yes. Um, it, if you look at every single like history textbook that we have talking about the Great Depression, you see the famous photo of the woman who is very, she looks kind of sad and she's thinking about something. And it's always, oh, yeah. yes. it's, um, it's, it's called The Migrant Mother. And that was done by Dorothea Lange, who she went out west and took photos of tons of people during the Great Depression at that time. And it's, again, like another good example of somebody behind the camera, behind a painting and, you know, what the backstory is in that. I mean, I would say that's probably one of the most famous portraits of all time. Oh, yeah. It was a revolutionary one. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it now. Wasn't that during the Dust Bowl as well? What's that? Wasn't she a victim of the Dust Bowl? I actually, I'm not sure. I'll have to look that one up. I mean, she was out in, from the West. photos. It looks like she's out in the desert a lot. Hmm. 
I just love it because it's like I feel like the best photographs are like open to interpretation. Like so, like once again, you told us the backstory about it, but like even then, if you never even knew like anything about this photograph and you're looking at it, it just gives you that the expressive mood on her face, that one of just kind of like almost like unease, and it just makes you wonder, you know, why are these kids like mm-hmm. leaning around her and everything. So yeah, it's just really exactly. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect exposure and everything. And, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> It's very emotive. Well, and then there's yeah. even like colored retouchings of it, which is really neat. Oh, I haven't seen those. I've only seen just the black and white. Yeah, it looks like there's some retouched ones um, that brings the color. Very cool. But it keeps the color very palette nice. like all the same. It's like all like sepia and very, um, we call it not like flat tones, but just very earthy colors. Which is really neat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some, something very neutral, but still doesn't take away from the. Um, the fact that it is of like an older film, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it brings another yeah. dimension. Like, Dorithra's like looking at it and seeing the colors maybe she's wearing and being like, oh, this all kind of goes together, even if she was shooting in black and white at the time. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Mm-hmm. And even even though it is black and white, there is kind of a green tint I'm noticing, or kind of like a more earthy kind of tint mm-hmm. that you can even see in the black and white. Very cool. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to see it's hard so to see you, color in black and white <laughs> but nice <I see. laughs> yeah definitely definitely so who would you say is your overall um who have you taken the most inspiration from it could be a photographer painter oh gosh any artist um that is that is incredibly tough but tough i life. would have to <laughs> it's very tough um, I would have to say the one that I I know more about, but also the one that I, I think back to and relate to the most would have to be Vincent Van Gogh um, or Vincent Van Gogh, if you're pronouncing it correctly. Um, <laughs> he definitely was a good example of someone who tried to do something different and fun and just and just make it his own, but also with being an art with being an artist, he definitely struggled trying to do something different, trying to, uh, what is a good example, trying to share his work with the world. And of course, wasn't able to do that until after he died. And, and, and also he's a good example of somebody who was trying different jobs and different, um, different routines until he finally, I think it was the age of 27, actually, that he started painting for the first time. And that's where we get Starry Night. That's where we get Starry Night Over the Rhone, um, Lilacs and Sunflowers and so many really nice pieces that he has. Yeah, um, he, he is just amazing. Spectacular work. Yes. And if I had to choose another one, probably Monet because I've started doing oil pastels recently and the way that they blended and kind of formed a picture together they're definitely Monet inspired. He blends a lot more than Van Gogh does, um, but still, mm-hmm. it still forms the photo. So I, I know nothing about painting. So can you kind of <laughs> educate me on what blending is? Um, so with blending, uh, for, for me personally, I use a white pastel crayon and I will take whether it's blue or green and try to form a background and I'll just run the white over it and try to like make the colors all form together. So just kind of blending that way, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. 
I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> see, I've uh, I've always personally I've always liked the idea of painting, but um, I've never you know really been gifted enough with my hands you know do that kind of stuff and drawing all that like it's just I don't know <laughs> I'd love to do it but I'm glad I discovered photography for me that's kind of mm-hmm. my only way to do it but it's cool to see how you're kind of in between those two worlds and in both of those worlds it's really cool yeah I, I would say uh, photography is definitely a little bit easier and I think it has to do with the the editing style the way to capture, I think now with technology too, to be able to capture a photo and uh, delete it immediately if you have to, or keep it and then put it through the system where you can manipulate it how you want to. When it comes to the pastels, it's basically, I just do it haphazardly. I don't have an intention of how the photo, of how the picture is going to turn out, but if it turns out a certain way, I'll take it. I've only had to throw away one that I wasn't happy with. And right now I'm at 16 total. <laughs> oh, wow. so that, that's pretty good, right? I mean, actually, that's an amazing, right? It's it's a start. It's another thing to do during quarantine to figure yeah. out anyways during quarantine. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I think kind of like with photography, it's like I kind of feel like it's like reactionary and especially digital nowadays, it's almost disposable because then you got, you could take as many shots as your memory card can hold, but you know, the, what is the quality all going to be yeah. there? But like, I feel like with, cause I've done various art mediums throughout my life, but kind of like what Henry said, uh, photography is the one thing that kind of stuck with me the most, but um, I tried painting and drawing as well many times. Um, and I always found yeah. it like, you have to know what you're doing or else it's just going to look like crap. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, oh, what I mean? but a photograph, you're just kind of like <laughs> reacting to what's in front of you and taking the picture and it mm-hmm. might be bad. I don't know, but like, you know what I mean? So I mean, you don't even, you don't even know how bad I am at drawing and painting. Not even know. <laughs> I'm going to see Everybody examples. finds their niche. Yeah. Everybody finds their niche. But I think, I, I do think it's really cool though, because I think if you can do both, there's no reason to separate the two. Why not combine them a little bit, you know? Exactly. They, they yes. are so similar, like vanishing point, rule of thirds, all that stuff still applies to both. Yes, yes. Mediums. Yeah, I, I really applies. do. Yes, uh, definitely. Yes, I really do enjoy figuring out composition, figuring out composition, Rule of thirds, I use a ton. Um, I love that we now have grids on our cameras, even on our phones. It still gives us that grid that we can try to center everything. Yes, definitely. Um, I really love, I think it's also just fun to say the Fibonacci spiral. Are you guys familiar <laughs> yeah. with that one? Oh, yeah. Like yep. the, yep. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spiral that leads your eye to, oh gosh, how do I explain this to layman's terms? Like it's a spiral that leads your eye to the like edge of like a frame kind of. The third. I, thought, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's also called the golden ratio, right? Is yes. that the same thing? Yeah. I think it's what photographers yeah. usually call it. Yeah. Yeah. I am terrible with math and anything involving numbers, but the words I just, I enjoy more. So I'll be like, oh, Fibonacci spiral. That works out mm-hmm. perfectly. If you try to tell me, if you try to tell me anything about the golden ratio and how much this is compared to that, I'll be like, um, I need a pen and paper to write it down first. <laughs> I am <laughs> I am very visual, so I'll have to <laughs> double I'll check. And what's, what's so cool about that is when you look at like your favorite photos, even if you don't plan to shoot them with that Fibonacci in mind, sometimes, mm-hmm. or I'd say most of my favorite photos, they have that 
structure or at least part of mm-hmm. it. Definitely. Kind of, yeah. I, I feel like the longer, like ever since I've known, I was aware of the golden ratio, at least kind of the idea of what it is. I'm kind of like thinking now in those kind of terms, because before it might've just been like a happy accident where I'm like, oh, the, you know, the photograph works out. I offshore the subject, but now I'm just kind of like, how do I like engage the viewer with their eyes as they view the photo? So now I kind of shoot with that yes. in mind. Yes, definitely. That's actually um, a really good kind of segue into why I kind of, lean more towards landscape photography in the first place or any type of floral, so just something different mm-hmm. is the, what can I give to the viewer is kind of almost like a form of an escape. Um, it kind of gives them a different perspective and positivity and they're not thinking about what's going on during that time. That's negative. Um, and I think it's number four that I sent in the file that is of Charleston Falls. Charleston Falls is like one of my favorite places to go through. I haven't been yet. I haven't been, I haven't been back yet this year. Um, and it's, I think that's like the only photo that I have of that series too, but it's, it's a great escape. It's something that I want to give my viewer each time, whether it's travel, whether it's, you know, the flowers in the cemetery, <laughs> just something, something fun and different. Yeah. So, what overall makes you gravitate towards that kind of work, like that style, like um, that's a, like nature stuff? Like, what makes you attracted to that? I think a lot of it has to do with color, and like, like I have various colors already in just this twenty. I've got yellow, I've got orange, I've got purple, and if I can find that out of all of the gray, whether it's a cloudy day, if I can find a green leaf that stands out more on a cloudy day, I will take that. Um, And I think just the excitement and adventure of what am I going to find on my walk? Even if it's not intentional, if I find it, it's like, oh, this is really cool. And that's the other thing about nature too, is it changes every time. A couple of these flowers that I've taken pictures of have been gone the next day. It's because of the weather. It's it's crazy. Oh, I, I believe. Yeah, it. I mean, I've had many times like yeah, that. It's crazy how much nature changes. Yeah. <laughs> so you would say like the majority of your work kind of centers around found objects. You ever heard of that term? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's basically um, for anyone that doesn't know, it's basically where you just find something. It could be out in nature or otherwise, and you photograph it how it is. You don't really manipulate it at all. You just kind of photograph it as is. So you kind of, I th- feel like you kind of do that with like your leaves and your flowers. Uh, photographs specifically mm-hmm. yes um it's actually a pretty good like kind of re- uh, that's a good way to put it kind of a relaxing way to take fo- to take photos just because if I'm doing anything else whether I'm trying to take a picture of a random object in my apartment if I'm talking about oh I like this coffee mug and I want to show it off I will stage direct the heck out of it (laughs) when it's it's just a ceramic object. It's because the lighting is so interesting in my apartment too, that I want the shadow to look right. And I don't, I hardly get any natural light. So it's like, Oh shoot, how do I manipulate it this way? And so it's, it's very interesting how I do that. But actually um, the lock that I have, uh, I think it's number seven it says love yourself on it. That was 
one of the few that I was able to take just because it was so difficult for the camera to focus. But to find that message on one of the logs, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Is that on that famous like lock bridge? Yes, I think there are, I think there's more than one now, but I can't remember how many total. So where, where was that? That was also in Paris. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, I love that shot. That's really good blurry background and it's very sharp focus, very sharp. Mm-hmm. Do you shoot I really manual? Like playing with, yes. Do you? Okay. I really, I really like playing with the depth of field. Um, especially when it comes to flowers, there's one, um, that I just happen to get really good bokeh off of. Um, and then there's some that I just have to wait until the wind stops blowing. So the leaves stay still. <laughs> that was a fun part. I remember doing, uh, kind of really when I got my feet wet in photography, I took two classes in high school, two semesters of it. And I remember oh, nice. like, what you're saying. Yeah. Um, doing the aperture and just kind of, I feel like there's a couple of assignments I think I had to take where it was centered around that, you know, that subject matter. I was like, all right, how do I make a wide aperture? How to make a narrow one? And it was really, I feel like that's one of the neatest aspects, uh, in terms of the camera gear to like learn how to make things look the way they are in a photograph. Nice. <laughs> See, when, when I first started, I didn't really have a conventional teacher. I, I just let YouTube teach me. Um, but, <laughs> Instead of usually say it was a bright sunny day, instead of compensating for the tons of light with my shutter speed, I would uh, like uh, use my aperture. So I would stop down to like f thirty two all the time. <laughs> it's just nice. the worst shots. Oh my god, I was, I was so frustrated. Like everything was unsharp because of diffraction and stuff, and I just everything had that. The background wasn't blurry, but it wasn't very sharp either. So I don't know. That was my problem for a while. <laughs> Everybody has their orange story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too, <laughs> way too many dark photos. I remember that. <laughs> Before I knew what Instagram was or anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're probably yeah, the opposite. I'm like, why is everything so dark? And I, you crank up the exposure slider, and I'm like, well, why does it look noisy? I hate this. <laughs> I've been stuck with it this long. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Oh my goodness! You uh, could yeah. call it the opposite of your the opposite of your blue period. It was your gray period. <laughs> yeah, overexposed period. I think. Overexposed <laughs> period. <laughs> yeah. So I got to ask because um, I bet some of yeah. us are curious. But what kind of gear do you use in particular? I was about to ask that. <laughs> oh, really? really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm so obsessed with gear, just so you know. He's <laughs> so more <laughs> Um, after listening to a couple of podcasts, uh, from you guys, and also, um, from your most recent, from your most recent one with, um, your previous guest, I feel like I'm an odd one out and using a Sony. <laughs> hey, I mean, those are great cameras. Great yes. they are. Um, I currently use a Sony OX 200, uh, with a 35 millimeter lens. And sometimes I bounce back and forth from that and my phone. I currently do have an iPhone. Um, the Sony was what I took overseas for the first time. And also what I, um, started doing when I was taking classes in 2013, but my very first camera that I actually started using and like practicing with, um, I got it when I graduated high school, um, is a Casio Slim, And it was basically like it could fit in the palm of your hand, kind of digital camera. 
And I took that with me everywhere, whether it was Charleston Falls, whether it was um, the Five Rivers of Eastwood Metro Park, um, and a couple of other places. Oh, yeah. Um, and a couple of other places downtown as well, um, whether it's like downtown Tip, downtown Dayton, and trying to get my feet wet, trying to figure out centering everything, how do I want it to look. And I, I think it's, I think it's, a, I still have it actually. Um, it's a very good starting camera. Um, if you're just looking for like not a DSLR, but just a regular little digital camera. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I mean, know how to Is that use like it. like a fixed lens camera or interchangeable? Prosumer no. it looks like. <laughs> it was honestly just they you turn it on, the lens pops out and it was, it was a point and shoot basically. Mm-hmm. What's it um, called again? Just so I can look it up real quick. The Casio X-Slim. It's a, I think, EX. Uh, ah, there you go. Wow. That, that is very, very thin. Very thin. <laughs> See, that was yes. revolutionary before smartphones. Point shoots. Man, the digital scenes yeah. are still pretty great on those. Not going to lie. Yeah. But, I've yeah. got my old Nikon point, point shoot on my shelf right behind me. <laughs> I remember I mean, borrowing. That thing was good. It, it, you know, it has as many megapixels as an iPhone. So. Oh wow! I didn't know that. It's been a long time. Um, yeah, I got that when I graduated in 2011, and then I started taking other classes in 2013. So that was when I got the DSLR. Um, the DSLR actually used to be my mom's. Um, she had started doing photography, uh, travel photography mostly with my stepdad, and. Um, when she got a new camera for her birthday, she gave me that one. And I was like, oh, cool. I can actually play around with it and do different yeah, things. Sure. And, um, and it ended up being a lot of fun. And that's, of course, where I get all my photos now. It's awesome. It's neat how you got a hand-me-down, basically. I mean, how many people have that kind of story? <laughs> I just was like, Mom, I opened for Christmas. And it was like, cool, you got it. You know, that's pretty much my story. It's kind of lame. That's how I get my first yeah. DSLR. <laughs> well, that, same here, that, same here. That would have been the case too. Like I, I wanted, I did, I did want something that was new and different, but also with money and everything too. It was crazy. Um, I mean, photography is so expensive. Oh, it's, it's terrible, <laughs> expensive. Yeah, I, I, I was very excited to buy new, um, new acrylic paints to go with some of my projects and to get them at a cheaper price now. Holy moly. I was very happy. <laughs> but any type of art form right now can be very expensive. <laughs> yes. I will say, though, I, I do think that photography takes the cake on expense, though. Oh, it's, big time. Big time. Man, it's just... <laughs> It blurs the line between like electronics and art where it's just like, well, it's going to be expensive because you got new technology and all that. And uh, it's just, yeah, I, I feel bad. I do have to poke fun at Ryan just a little bit for his uh, couple of casualties. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scuba diving cameras. In case anyone didn't know, cameras and water don't mix. So I can attest to that. <laughs> But yes, it's okay. Yes. I mean, I, I can I can afford it, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn somehow anyways. <laughs> yeah, just don't wade with it. Don't get near water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just know if I ever grab my camera in the water, I'm going to have to switch to like a T2i or something for like 2010. <laughs> not be able to replace the camera I have now. So. I was lucky enough. I got like this. There was this amazing trade-in program. I got to trade in my old Canon camera for like twice the price. 
Oh, so wow. I only ended up somehow paying like four hundred dollars for a camera and a lens. Oh wow, so, yeah. that's not bad. Shoot. No, not oh. bad at all. <laughs> so yeah, uh, tell us more about your uh, like editing style because you have some very, um, I guess I call it Warhol inspired, like your collages of different photographs, and you really, um, I mean this as a compliment because it's you know it's art, but like you're very kind of <laughs> over the top with like the editing. Like you, put, you pump up mm-hmm. colors and saturation. You invert and stuff. Very, very geometric too. You got some great shapes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so with some of them, it's definitely kind of at random. Uh, just because I kind of go in without really an intention. I just when I first started editing um, was with just a small program that came on the computer that I had at the time. I think it was a uh, in a in old HP and. Um, what I would do was I would literally just slide back and forth the contrast and the brightness. And I would do it either really fast, really slow, just to see what kind of caught my eye, what was appealing. And I would also ask the opinions of anybody around me, be like, does this look okay? Does this work? Um, I think I drove a few people nuts, but, (laughs) but just starting out, just starting out too, I had to be careful. Um, I wanted to be careful. Um, and I think with that, it definitely helped with some of the the brightness of a couple of photos, like with the saturation of the red in the first one. And um, I mean, with the darkness of, I think it was number five, trying to make sure that I got just the right amount of light in it without it being too much. Um, and as far as like my last few, I, I've been using, I've either been using the iColorama app or I've been using the editing system that comes with the iPhone. And again, messing around with the contrast and brightness. Um, the iColorama app, though, is what I've been using for the Warhol-inspired pictures. Um, I would go specifically to effects, and it would allow me to manipulate the color. It would give me a grid, and I would just kind of pull the dots back and forth just to mess around and see how it looks. If I like how it looks, then I'll make copies of it. And I'll kind of, which is where um, the Warhol Inspired came in again and why there are four of them instead of just one is I just made copies and kept playing around with it. Cool. Mm-hmm. I also see like this uh, spiraling tree effect. Yes. Is that like an editing effect, I assume? Yes, that is one of like the many filters that the app has to offer. Um Sometimes I will take a photo and I'll be like, I wonder what this effect would look like. And there have been times where I will go through every single filter on the app until I find something that's visually appealing. And the mm-hmm. way that I should have can, I should have included it before, the way that the, the tree was kind of laid out with how long the branches were, the spiral just kind of, it looked cool. It looked different. And very rarely do I like something that's just kind of, looks kind of cheesy. This one, I was like, oh, you know, I'll, it, it almost looks kind of um, mystical in a way. I mean, that, that subject definitely suits it. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's not like you overused the technique. Like you found an intentional thing that would look great with it. So. Yes. Uh, I also see this like circular ball of plants, I guess. Is that <laughs> editing or? Foliage or something. I yes. That is a circular that, that was another filter that is over just like um, a set of leaves from the cemetery. 
Um, I, again, that was just one of the many filters that I kind of went through and made copies. So I was like, oh, this filter works, that one works. And um, there was another one that I kind of changed the color of this one completely and made it black and green. But this one, I was like, oh, the, the sphere, it doesn't distort anything. It just kind of rounds it off. And I kept it that way. That's a great effect. Great effect. <laughs> and um, like you said, you like using the blurry background effect. You like depth of field. That's, it must be a, you said you shoot on like a 35 millimeter. Is that yes. what you said? For <laughs> that? Is that yeah. like an F1.8 or something? I believe so. Um, yeah. Some of the earlier ones are definitely the DSLR. The later ones are my phone. So that one I haven't manipulated the f-stop at all. Mm -hmm. um, but it also comes with a lot of balance. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes I, one of the difficulties that I run into is being incredibly shaky, whether I'm using my camera or the phone and losing that background and then have to wait a second and trying to go back. It's a little complicated sometimes. <laughs> it's also hard to simulate aperture on a phone. I mean, it's kind of getting there, but like you still kind of need a dedicated DSLR to do that. And you can't really replicate Although, that. Um, Apple right. just added in portrait mode, you can now change the f-stop, which is really cool. Ooh. Oh, nice. So I'm looking at my phone right now. I can go to f1.4 up to f14 or f16, which is pretty awesome. You know what? Nice. I have a Samsung Galaxy S10, and like the auto, like just the straight photo camera mode, it's like just right for me because I was like auto HDR. But like I do know in the back of my head, I'm like, there's pro mode where you can set, you know, adjust exposure and everything. But I really need to try that at some point. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's got Very all the nice. for it. So it's like you really can use that like a camera. It's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm afraid of that day when phones get better than cameras, though, because I just feel like it's, by then I would have wasted money on a bunch of lenses, a bunch of cameras. I don't know. I'm still a bit scared. I think there's a difference between a professional showing up with actual gear than just a phone. So I feel like it's just like, it's. I don't want to say it's just for show, but, you know, I right. do agree. It feels like it's getting closer to that point, too. Yeah, I, I'm definitely kind of on the fence just because I, I'm currently using both. But I think as long as you have a have an understanding and learn what, um, and basically learn what you're doing. And so just be like, Oh, I'm going to take a photo and it looks fantastic. But how did you do it? What's the backstory? What, um, did, did you have an intention kind of, are you, or are you just taking a random photo specifically for mm -hmm. certain likes or something like that? There, there are some, and you're not like shooting wildlife or anything like i would say like no something like wildlife <laughs> photography that definitely requires a camera um and a pretty definitely. long lens but mm -hmm. for landscape flowers and stuff i mean if you're just posting on instagram and not putting it on a billboard i mean there's nothing wrong with it i mean you could still print it put it on your wall i mean mm -hmm. it still oh, works great yeah <laughs> yeah i would say the closest that i've ever gotten to wildlife would be in july um, I was doing multiple laps, uh, one day and I kind of ran into something different on each lap. Um, I ran into a chipmunk, but he moved way too quick. So I couldn't capture him. Even if it was just for a, a fun picture of, Hey, I ran into a chipmunk, but no, he had other things. He had better things to do. Um, there was also another lap that I took where I ran into a deer and 
I, I wasn't super close, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to get a like good photo of this. But we also made eye contact and I was like, how do I get past it without freaking it out or having anything happen? <laughs> I had to go off the path a little bit. They they really do stare into your soul. They do. They do. And I mean, of course I was in a cemetery, so it was already kind of weird. (laughs) How do I, how do I go off the beaten path? Oh my goodness. I am very superstitious about that too. (laughs) He's probably wondering what you're doing there too. I mean, I could ask him the same thing, but I, <laughs> I think it was after the like next couple of laps that I took, he finally like went somewhere else. So I'm like, okay, we're good. <laughs> went to go bother another human. Yes. Yeah. Like, she keeps coming back. I don't know what. <laughs> Get sick of this. <laughs> this <great>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so tell us more about your uh, involvement at Tip City Area Arts Council. Yes. Um, so I am a Tip City alumni. I graduated in 2011. And for the longest time, I've been trying to figure out, I guess, different ways to get out of Tip City because I did not know at the time that there was so much involvement with the arts. I was like, oh, you have to go out somewhere and go do things and get involved with the arts in a different way. But after a couple of years and talking with my old um, English teacher, Um, who was also my old yearbook advisor too. She was the president at the time and said, oh, we have these meetings coming up and here's what's going on. And I was working during those meetings. I was like, oh, I wish I could go and it would be cool. But but I couldn't at the time. So once I finally was able to do that, I realized, oh, there is actually more in my own backyard than I could imagine when it comes to getting involved with people. Um, So I volunteered for about, six months and then officially became part of the board. So now I'm the secretary and I've been that way for the past two and a half years now, I believe. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've been, yeah, for about two and a half years. And then I've been involved with like the Instagram page and trying to share everything that we've got from Facebook and try to expand the exposure that we have. Um, And we'll make sure to link those down below. Yeah, definitely. Um, But also we are featured on Twitter. Um, We are trying to figure out some type of way to expand to YouTube um, because not everybody has been able to do that. Um, So we're, we're trying new things and having a lot of fun with it. Um, And we've also identified this year specifically that the arts have struggled. Uh, We had to cancel do big events this year. And we just had our first event of the year um, just this past Saturday, October 3rd. Um, and, and we had a great turnout with it. So we'll see what happens next year, but hopefully, you know, keeping up the social media exposure kind of helps a little bit too, to make us relevant. Mm-hmm. I'd say video now more than ever and just art in general, is like such needed mm-hmm. in these times. Like, so I feel like it's great that like you got a good turnout with the event. Yeah. And I feel like people just want to, express themselves and be creative kind of take their mind off you know current events and everything too mm-hmm. like now more than Definitely. ever really important I mean, yeah there's so much going on it's just very nice to escape every once in a while yes um i mean going with landscape photography and landscape paintings um one um one of the biggest things that i mean 
we were able to provide this past weekend was landscape paintings. Um, it was a plein air event, which is, which I didn't know this, but it's called to paint outside. Um, we had a bunch of artists spread out across. Um, oh, what is it? It was our, it was the Indian Creek distillery and it was beautiful. We had some cloud coverage. It wasn't too bad. Um, but everybody was able to, you know, take their chair, take their easel and just paint whatever perspective that they found on the grounds. And we had some judging at the end and prizes. And I mean, again, a great turnout. Yeah, that's cool. I've, um, my, uh, parents are big art collectors, so oh, nice. um, we go up to Michigan every summer. We have a house up there, like Northern Michigan by the lake. And there's always a big mm-hmm. plein air thing. And you get to see the artists painting the painting that you could buy in your favorite locations. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. That yeah. is very cool. That's very neat. I, I, I envy landscape painters cause they don't have to worry about like blown out highlights in the sky. <laughs> like, no, no. they just don't include them yeah <laughs> yes um that reminds me of like a time that i was practicing trying to take pictures of snow and how white and shiny it is and just how oh, oh yeah. my goodness i remember it being just such a headache but i wanted to do it because it's like how else do you how else do you learn and i think i got three photos out of probably the million that I took that year. <laughs> especially if it's a bright sunny day, it's like, just forget it. I mean, it's like, especially if you don't know what yes. you're doing, like exposure meter, <laughs> but even then it's like uh-huh. such a struggle. Cause you're like, it just looks like overexposed and just terrible. Yeah. You have to, you have to remember a good exposure in your eyes does not mean a good exposure in your camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely not. I love that. There we go. Our eyes that. are the most advanced camera system in the world. Like we can see <laughs> so much dynamic range. We can see all the highlights, all the shadows. The cameras cannot. We can't see ultraviolet like birds, but I will add that. <laughs> <laughs> why do I feel like? Why do I feel like we need to type all of these up and put them on inspirational quotes and just <laughs> and display? <laughs> your eyes are like a camera go out and shoot i don't know <laughs> your eyes are the best camera ryan taylor 2020 oh yeah. my goodness <laughs> <laughs> before i don't know it's great the final the final inspirational quotes of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a good way to end off the year yeah, go back to roots. Too bad. yeah go back, back to your roots i like it <laughs> that's what they do i think you know what you're saying about using you know, social media to promote like your, your arts council. I, I can definitely agree with that because I've been kind of in the same position mm-hmm. you have with uh, I've kind of been like the social media guru with uh, my two galleries. So I've been using them. I, I both got them on Instagram. I both been using them to promote, you know, everyone's work, not just my own. But yeah, it's definitely having that web presence. I think is really important. Definitely. Um, and, and, and like you said, with having the video and photos and using social media during this time, um, we, we can try to figure out a way to give everybody a virtual, a virtual escape a different reason to go out and do something. If they are cautious, we still have another way to do it. And that, I mean, is a great way to promote it in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really what you have to do in this day and age. You got to really take advantage of that social media. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like it, it's just, you know, something, <laughs> if you want to be an artist in 2020, you just, you know, you got to be out there. Exactly. 
if I'm if I'm being honest, it's like I would rather not be on social media. But like at the same time, it, it definitely mm-hmm. is like at least for promoting my work is definite. I think, but like it's also just a nice kind of mm-hmm. way to get inspired. Like I follow people mm-hmm. that aren't even photographers for their own kind of artwork. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just um, I don't know what you call it, an echo chamber. I don't know. It's just like a nice kind of inclusive community, I guess, that of just people. And that, that makes some good friends too. Like I, I met Ryan a hundred percent through social media. I probably never would have met him. Me person, but. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, the, I was going to say the same thing. I, how, how did I find you? I somehow, I think we found each other through social media and just kept liking our stuff. And then I found out you were actually in downtown Dayton. And I was like, well, might as well, run into him in person at least once and here we are so that <laughs> it works out pretty good yeah i think as long actually i think it's i'm in beaver creek by the way but <laughs> close enough <laughs> it's down the road from downtown yeah it's it's a suburb but yeah, <laughs> yeah people don't need to know that right Oops. um but yeah but I mean, I think tip, tip is a yeah, suburb my, my address too. is yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, you can find me. Come to my studio. <laughs> that that area up there is great. Um, I have grandparents who live up there, and I'm I'm up there quite a bit. They have a farm up there, but I, I'm down in yeah. Kentucky. But I know a lot about that area. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to meet, like, have a big meetup someday with all the yes. people in the area. Like, I just I, I dream of these things, but with COVID and just everyone's schedules just gets in the way. Hey, maybe around Thanksgiving or something, I'll probably be up there. There we go. I mean, that's, that's a good that's way a to do it. You guys, my grandparents have like 300 acres of woods. So, oh, wow. Count me in. in there. So. Social Shoot. distance yeah. to the extreme. <laughs> I'll wear my ghillie suit. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great conversation topic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we take gosh. the golf cart into the woods. <laughs> I was, yeah. I guess it's, well, it's that big, 300 acres. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's wait cool. until wait until I flip it and destroy all your camera gear. Oh, it's there we in the go. Water, I, <laughs> I was gonna say I have a feeling between the two of you, it sounds like bad news. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not really that dangerous in person. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> scared. You know? No, I'm very careful with my camera gear. Like if I'm if I'm in the woods and I don't have my camera gear, I'll be like up in a tree jumping off of things. But with camera gear, I'm just. Yeah. Walk slow. The more, the more I all break, the roots. Are- <laughs> the more I break things, the more I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not going to climb that rock because I don't know if I can get you know back up from there. It's not worth it. See, Ryan, Ryan's philosophy is the more stuff he brings, the more water he'll go into. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I can't oh, even swim, but I'm drawn to it. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. It what? happens sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a quirk, but you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so Sydney, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just let people know um, where can we find you, where can we follow you, um, and where can we learn more about your work. So you can find me on. I, I post more on Instagram. I need to get better about posting on Facebook, but uh, the biggest thing is Instagram. I love the visual aspect of it, and that's why I post more. Um, it's at the droids in Paris, um, which there's a little bit of an origin from my photography because with that name. Um, but also on my Facebook page, I am just at Sydney Johnson's photos. Um, I was able to, I had it as a different name and I decided to change it during quarantine. So it's, you know, just my name. Um, uh, but you can also find me, um, uh, posting different things at the tip city area arts council. We are on Instagram, 
Facebook and Twitter at Arts Tip. And we try to post things consistently, whether it's about um, events that we are planning on having this year with the last couple of months, um, but also the local artists that we come in contact with. We share their work and talk to them. Um, any of our vendors that we have, we definitely talk about them too. Um, and also any like local things going on, uh, whether it's Troy, Piqua, we do kind of stick with the Miami Valley. Bethel is included in there as well. Um, try to think of last bit. Oh, I've also been sharing some different things about like Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus. If you do plan on going to those museums, they are open. They have their requirements. We do highly encourage supporting the arts. The Dayton Institute, especially as well, is like one of my favorite places. And and, and and again, they are open and check out their requirements if they have it and I mean, don't hesitate. It's good awesome. to know for those places we're still <laughs> trying to do something during these hard times. Definitely. We all got to support <laughs> each other. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, yes. please support <laughs> any arts anywhere. Like they need it right now. Yes. <laughs> I, always, I always buy from other artists because I feel like we all just need to, you know, share the love. Yes. yes. I mean, that especially downtown Yellow Springs, the Oregon District. Um, I know that now the Oregon District, I know, I know now the Oregon District has definitely since reopened just because they've been trying to fulfill the requirements as well for all of the restaurants. But also it's got tons of street art, murals, everything. You don't have to go into a building to see the art. You, it's all, I mean, across the town. Um, Yellow Springs is the same way too. And I mean, where Ryan is, the Village Artisans, Front Street. I mean, there you go. <laughs> I can't talk about it enough. <laughs> and a lot of people have been doing these pop-up trunk art shows. Have you seen those? Where they just like put the yes. artwork in their cars and they just you can walk through the parking lot. So that way it's all socially distanced and everything. It's really neat. Really neat concept. Yes. And uh, you actually just reminded me, we are going to be hosting one in Tip City on uh, Saturday. Saturday, um, October 10th, the, um, the main artist that is going to be hosting it, her name is Rusty Hardin, and I have worked closely with her, and she's just, she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, um, but she's going to be having that going on in downtown Tip City. Hmm. It's a shame because our viewers or listeners, well, it'd be too late by the time they hear this, but one of those things and I unfortunately will have to work that day, but I want to support and think of her mm-hmm. fondly and of course share on social media. You definitely, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't three hours away, I'd, I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday, you never know. <laughs> Well, it might be a little bit longer for Henry if he is moving super slow with his camera gear. So we might have to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm like give yeah, a few even, hours. Even when I'm driving in my yeah, even when I'm driving my car, I always go down 20 miles per hour just to make sure those lenses don't get broken. You know? Yes, which that's okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'll be in passenger seat scanning for birds or something on the way there. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. No, right. definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and being a part of this. It's it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I've never done this before. And to kind of dip your toe in a little bit, it's very cool. All right. Thank you, Sydney. And thank you, all of our listeners, uh, for <laughs> listening, of course. And uh, if you'd like to, leave us a review, all that sorts of fun stuff. And, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.
Thank you so much for watching the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.